0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and
1: marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake.
0: (laughs) Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000
1: Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host Tate Frazier, and it is Friday, December 22nd. So you know what that means. We got Nora on the show. Nora, great to see you. How are you?
3: Uh, excellent, Tate. I'm really <laughs> loving. I'm loving your holiday background. I'm loving the yes. Christmas tree. I'm loving all the stockings. I'm loving the wreath. Mm. Uh, it's just really, it's really putting me in the holiday spirit.
1: My mom is a first grade teacher, 30 years, uh, in North Carolina public schools. She, uh, she has never given up her, our love of Christmas. And when I come home, she goes all the way out. So we got stockings for the dogs, stockings for my nieces, uh, presents for everybody in the neighborhood. Stocking for the
3: dogs. Oh, that, yeah. That's iconic stuff. That is that's... really, I mean, but my mom is also a teacher and. Game recognizes game. Is, <laughs> yeah, what it's, I that.
1: It's, a, it's a tip of the cap moment. So shout out to all the moms out there. Shout out to all the teachers out there. We love to see it. And uh, shout out to you, Nora, because I bring you on the show every week. And I immediately ask you about the power rankings of the mm-hmm. ringer.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. let's start right there because we got our number one team in the power rankings. We got the San Francisco 49ers. We got the Ravens, our Ravens there at number two. The Bills, number three. Chiefs, number four. Dolphins, number five. I want to start with the Miami Dolphins there at number five. They were not in the top five last. Last week, they have jumped up into the top five. How do we feel about my, Miami right now as a true contender? Like, do we feel like they're actually in that conversation? Let's start Miami.
3: Well, you know what? Here's the thing: is I, I think they do belong because of their defense. Yes, uh, and and that's a funny thing, to which say is crazy about a team to say, that, by
1: the way, because like we, yeah, we thought it, they belong because of their offense. But you're right. Th-
3: this team dropped 70 points in a game <laughs> earlier this season. I know, you know, the the Broncos' defense was in a completely different state at the time, but still uh it it's pretty wild to be going from there to saying that this is an elite defense and that's why they might be a true contender i i mean look i i still we've got that cowboys dolphins game i'm still probably a little bit more bullish on dallas just because i think that offense is a little tougher uh we've seen You know, hopefully Tyreek Hill's back healthy this week, but we've seen what can happen when the Dolphins get out of sync offensively. I think the Cowboys, who've certainly had their offensive ups and downs, are a little bit more resilient just because of what Dak Prescott can do in terms of processing and in terms of completing tight window throws. Uh, So I quibble with it a little bit, but again... I mean, the eight and six Buffalo Bills are number three in these power rankings. They still might not make the playoffs. There's still a possibility they would be on the outside of that, one that I hope won't happen. one That is certainly within the range of outcomes. So things get a little wonky once you get past uh, the top couple of teams, really, who happen to play each other this week.
1: Yeah, let's talk about those top couple of teams. Cause you're right. We got the Baltimore Ravens taking on the 49ers. It is a Christmas miracle. We're going to see these two teams and it could be a Super Bowl preview. Uh, 49ers minus five and a half points in this game. You said it. It should be the game of the year. I said that it could be a Super Bowl preview. What do we expect to see in this game? Is this sort of a Christian McCaffrey says, Hey, you know, this is my moment in time. Or is this a moment where maybe our guy Lamar Jackson, uh, says to the world, Hey, I, I am actually the real MVP here in the league.
3: Yeah, well, you know what? I I think the Ravens have certainly had more vulnerable-seeming moments than the 49ers have this year, at least when they've been sort of at at full complement of Debo and Trent Williams Mm -hmm. and CMC all working together. The only time that they've really looked like you could get in their way was when they had some health issues. Uh, So I, I think the 49ers are a reasonable favorite. I mean, they're certainly... Look, they're favored by five and a half in this game. Uh, To me, maybe this is just wishful thinking. I really hope this is closer to a pickup. I really hope that this is a game that comes down to the final possession where it just feels like they're going blow for blow. And I think it has that potential. Uh, The matchup, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, of course, will not play each other and we shouldn't fall into that trap. However, this game could decide the MVP race and i think on some level both quarterbacks probably know that uh especially for someone like lamar jackson who is operating at a really high level and looking to sort of get his flowers for that i'm curious how he responds to that situation because i i don't know i i the Ravens have a real opportunity. I think the 49ers are the favorite should be the favorite, but the Ravens just really have an opportunity to make a statement.
1: Yeah. Both these teams, 11 and three on the season, uh, one and two in the ringer power rankings. That's what really matters to us. And this is a game where we figure out who actually is the most powerful team in the NFL. And, uh, I love to see it, and I think you're right. I think Lamar takes a little onus on the idea that he can knock Brock Purdy out of that MVP conversation or at least maybe jump him in that MVP conversation. So they do not play each other, but there will be a lot of people talking about that showdown between those two guys, Lamar Jackson and Brock Purdy, of course. Um, That's going to be fascinating. But you know what,
3: Tate? I'll say one more thing to you about that game, though, is that the the showdown that is going to be really interesting that is actually happening on the field is how that... Ravens defense, and Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator, end up going after Purdy, yes, but that San Francisco offense as a whole and the way that they have forced teams to focus on their run game first and foremost because uh, our colleague Stephen Ruiz had a lot of really interesting data that he was talking about on our midweek pod this week about how Brock Purdy just hasn't been in situations where he has to perform against teams that are trying to stop the pass. Mm. Teams are trying to stop the run against the 49ers. It is very obvious that defensive coordinators planning for the 49ers are saying, Christian McCaffrey, that's our number one priority. And we're going to go heavy in the box and we're going to focus on that area of the field and we are trying to not let those playmakers and CMC in particular beat us. And it's opening up these these friendly, I'm not going to say easy, but friendly passing opportunities that Brock Purdy is really, really, really taking advantage of. But for my money, there's been no smarter defensive coordinator than Mike McDonald this year. And so I'm really interested to see if he comes up with a wrinkle that makes things a little bit harder. Now, on some level, all the brain power and all the schematic ability in the world doesn't solve the problem that the 49ers are unbelievable on offense. There might Mm -hmm. not be a solve, but if there is one, I think Mike McDonald is the guy that I'd be interested to see if, if he can find it. So I just wanted to put that out there lest I spend this entire show talking about Lamar Jackson v. Brock Purdy who won't actually face each other. Uh, but the Mike McDonald matchup is pretty spicy too.
1: Yeah, if Lamar Jackson gets out there and starts playing cornerback and then sacks, you know, Brock Purdy on a blitz, then maybe we can have that conversation about those two guys I mean, going up against each other. It could happen. Maybe. Stranger things. <laughs> one last game that I want to talk about, Nora. We got the Jags taking on the Bucks. Bucks minus one and a half in this game. Bucks on a three-game win streak. They are tied uh right now with New Orleans. They're seven and seven, trying to win the NFC South. On the flip side, in the AFC South, we got the Jags um, who are tied right now. Now with the Texans and the Colts are sitting at eight, eight and six. What do you see in this game? And this has actual implications that we all should be watching for. And uh, you got two guys, Baker Mayfield, Trevor Lawrence, uh, trying to figure out and show the world that they are franchise quarterbacks.
3: I mean, I think this is a put up or shut up Mm -hmm. game for the, for the Jaguars. There's just simply no reason why they should have struggled as much as they have struggled or seemed so up and down and, and inconsistent. This year, Trevor Lawrence, I maintain, is an is an elite quarterback, a quarterback with elite abilities and the potential to be a long-term, upper-tier franchise starter. And he's got to wash away some of what's happened the last few weeks, where, of course, he's, he got hurt coming off an injury. Maybe it was affecting him. Seemed like there were some overthrows that turned into interceptions that might have to do with with... Recovery from Planting, the ankle, right? But then we get into the situation last week where it is just two inexplicable errors. One being the fumble that he wasn't even contacted on, and then the other one being the decision to, with eleven seconds left on the clock, from the eight yard line, the five yard line. Yeah, uh, throw it in bounds deep with in the red no timeouts, zone, right? To throw in bounds. And deny his team the opportunity at least to kick a field goal. All of that is points. Uh, this Bucks team has been, been frisky, but I still believe that the Jaguars have no right not to be better than them. Um, mm. And so I think they have to take this seriously and, and really try to prove that they belong within the upper tier of the NFL.
1: Quickly, one last thing before we go to break. Will Baker Mayfield be the franchise quarterback or at least the starting quarterback next year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Do we feel good about that? Do we think that we're trending in that direction after the Green Bay performance?
3: Are we trending in that direction? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we're, we're trending. trending in that direction. Okay. All right, we're, we're trending, trending that way. I don't know if we- we're quite there, but uh, they're in the danger zone. I will put it that way.
1: We won't say it definitively, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Tom Brady's comments about Gardner Minshew and the Eagles getting exposed. We'll be right back.
2: This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with $25,000
1: Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're here with Nora, and we're talking NFL football. And when we talk NFL, typically, or at least for the past two decades, we've talked about one man, and that man is Tom Brady. And Tom Brady has a podcast. It's called Let's Go. On serious and uh he has been trying to put the heat on quarterbacks. The most recent quarterback is Gardner Minshew. And uh he said that, you know, for for Gardner Minshew putting his uh receiver Kazee in the position that he did um, you know, to get hit by Kazi, I should say. Um, and now they, they have it was uh, Michael Pittman. Yeah, it was Michael Pittman who got hit, and then uh, Kazee has been suspended uh, for the rest of the, s- the season after his appeal was upheld. Uh, Tom Brady says, this is Gardner Minshew's fault. This is not Kazee's fault. Uh, where do we stand on this, and how much are we uh, kind of enjoying Tom Brady being in the discourse? Because he is fully, Nora, in the discourse right now.
3: Well, he's turning kind of into like a, f- a Facebook mom <laughs> yes. a little bit. Like, this is this is his vibe in retirement, because yes, yes. he's talking about it on the podcast, but he's also writing like, Long Instagram comments.
1: Very long. Like, <laughs> and, like every side. He like wants to make sure that you you know that he knows every side of the argument, right? You
3: like Tom Brady is counting on the fact that you are going to <laughs> click to expand. Yes. And that you are going to give him <laughs> the time to to read through all of his thoughts. It really like that is some serious retiree energy to me. Um, so I am mostly just like sort of tickled by the fact that that Tom Brady uh is feeling this so strongly and wants to be in the conversation, wants to start the conversation. I got to say, uh, I was reminded recently that before the season, I did a little exercise with Ruiz where we put some bold takes in a time capsule. And so we made some predictions at the start of the season and we opened up the time capsule this week. Oh, nice. And went, went back through them, saw how they turned out not so great for for all of us. Uh Steven had Trevor Lawrence as a top 5 cornerback. I had Sam Darnold winning a start for the 49ers. Um I had Justin Jefferson going over 2000 yards receiving. I'm trying to think what else we missed on. But my other one was that Tom Brady would unretire. Oh. And I can't say it's looking great.
1: Well, but it's, I do it's, think
3: the fact that he is so upset about the state of quarterback play, it kind of makes me think like, Tom, if you think they're doing such a bad job, like, why don't you lace them up and come back out here? There's like 18 backup quarterbacks playing. There's probably a team that would be happy to have you. I, yeah, I just, I, I challenged Tom Brady to do something about the state of quarterback play, uh, and prove me right in the process, which of course like could, is not my motive, but.
1: But look at the week 15 passing leaders. I have the top five right in front of me. Number one was Baker Mayfield. Number two was Joe Flacco. I mean, if you're Tom Brady, you're like, I can take well, Flacco Baker out. Baker
3: Mayfield, it doesn't count if you're going against Joe Barry's defense. That's, that's true. Cruel.
1: That Well, then number three, you got Jake Browning. Number four, Pat Mahomes. You know, that's a typical name there. And then number five is Nick Mullins. So if you're Tom Brady, you're saying, I could. I'm better than four out of those five guys, just knowing how he probably thinks about it. So... I think you're right on track. I think Tom Brady, if he's watching this closely and he's this concerned, Nora, he's closer than we would think uh when it comes to, you know, his decision to play football or not. So I actually think that's a great take. We're not done yet. The season's not over with. So Tom Brady, he over. could step in. Still tied. It's not over. It's it's still time. Uh, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles who are running out of time. Um, you know, they're spiraling a little bit right now. They're officially at plus 900 to win the Super Bowl. Um, a lot of people are selling their Eagles stock. How do we feel? How do you feel about this Eagles team right now? Do we still think that they are, you know, technically a contender to go win the Super Bowl or are we taking them out of that conversation?
3: Oh, gosh. I mean, for three quarters on Monday, it kind of seemed like they'd... they'd refound a little something, but I, I too am really off the scent with them. I just don't think that this defense, uh, when your defense is is of a variety that is helping Drew Locke to career games and <laughs> and making personal history and all of that, I, I worry. Um so I'm I I'm not super high on them. I will say if we've seen one thing this year and think about where the Cowboys are. Right now, a week after they felt like they were riding so high and Dak was clear MVP favorite and everyone was excited about them. Then they lose that stinker to the Bills and everyone's off the scent. No team, maybe with the exception of the 49ers, no team is as high as their highest high this season and they're not as low as their lowest low. So Mm. I I think patience is is a good idea, but I, I in my heart of hearts I don't think that defensively they're good enough.
1: Yeah, well, right now, I mean, the rest of their schedule is favorable. They got the Giants, the Cardinals and the Giants again. So that's good news for Eagles fans. So at least they have three games where they can kind of on paper, at least win those games and kind of get into the playoffs with some positive uh, vibes after losing three straight. One other team I want to talk about quickly, Arthur Blank, uh, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, talking about Arthur Smith or, or Artie Smith as he goes by now at this point. Um, he said, quote, we will see yeah, how when this did that se- happen? I don't know. It happened like I feel like three, four weeks ago, right? I mean, now everyone's and I like the name. Artie. I, I do. I, I think Artie's yeah, nice. You too. know, it's a, it's a nice blend. Um, not, a but it,
3: not a lot of NFL Arties. a lot of Arties in general. Like, yeah. you get an
1: Art, you get an Arthur, but like, Artie is not, that in between zone. Arties. Yeah. So shout out to all the arties out there. Uh, but Arthur Blank talking about Artie Smith, he said, quote, we will see how this season plays out. Um, Taylor Heineke is going to be the starter now. And, uh, do we think that we're going to see Artie Smith on the sidelines next season? I like Arthur Smith. I think he's a nice character in the NFL, but it does seem based on that quote, there could be some cause for concern and there could be a move made by, uh, Arthur Blank.
3: Yeah. I, I wonder if this is indicative seems- that the end is coming. Yeah. I just think that if if he, the problem is how bad their run game has been. I mean, if you look at last week and they lose to just a sorry Tate, pitiful Panthers team. Pitiful. I I look at them and go, Arthur Smith came in with this idea that you know, and he he'd come up in Tennessee, and there was sort of this concept that they were gonna they were gonna zig when the rest of the league zagged a little bit. They were gonna emphasize the run game. They were gonna have big tough, strong, physical players and they were going to do things a little bit differently in the extent to which they focused on the run. And then you go and invest in the draft and in free agency in guys like Bijan Robinson. You spend a lot of money on the offensive line. Also make some draft picks on the offensive line. And you go out there and and also choose not to add an elite quarterback um, in moments when they had options to at least upgrade over someone like Taylor Heineke or Desmond Ritter. They forgo those opportunities, invest in the ground game, and then they go out there and they can't run the ball against the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just like I I do think it it really gets at the heart of. Arthur Smith not being able to do what he came there to do. And I like the guy too, but it's sort of the Brandon Staley thing where it's like you came here to, you were the guy with the great defensive game plans and who was schooled in the most modern defense that's taken over the NFL. And with Arthur Smith, it was, you came here with this Tennessee philosophy where you were going to run the ball, and you were going to possession, right? big dudes. And it's just not happening. And it's just mm. not working. And at a certain point, when the results are bad, and also the thing that the coach specializes in, they're not any good at, I, I, even if you like the guy, which I do, I think it becomes justifiable, at least, to make a mm. move.
1: Yeah. And Arthur Blank is not afraid to make a move. Um, That is something that we do know uh, just with dealing him with over the years. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. We're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers dangling hope uh, over the New York Jets. We'll be right back.
0: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
1: Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Nora. And every single week I bring Nora on the show and we have a big story in the NFL and she tries to debunk a big story or make sense of a story. And this week, Nora, you wrote a great story on Aaron Rodgers, basically saying that Aaron Rodgers scammed the New York Jets this season. And uh, let's just start there because we love scams here on the show. Uh, What did did Aaron Rodgers and this saga teach us this season? Please break it down for us.
3: I mean, So look, I think the broad the broad lesson to me of the the jet season but a lot of situations around the NFL is that if you make one person your whole reason for being and the the heart and soul and bread and butter and everything of your football team you're really susceptible to something bad happening because if mm-hmm. if if that guy gets down and out, then it's all over. Like, I think there's a, it's a totally different situation, obviously, because it's coaching. But, like, there's a little bit of that going on with the Patriots and Belichick right now. If one person is all-powerful, it's a pretty dangerous way to live. And with the Jets, I actually kind of get it. Like, I, if, if somebody there called me up and said, here's the deal. Or the Jets. We don't have... Our fans, we haven't had anything to show for them. And we're willing to take some risks. And there's a guy who's a better quarterback than almost ever comes available in the offseason. And he was ripe for the taking, and we had to spend some money, we had to spend some draft picks, we had to give him a lot of autonomy within our organization, and we had to accept the fact that, like, if something happened to him we had to wave the white flag a little bit and that was worth doing. I would I would respect that. I would understand that. But here's the thing that I think happened that was a step too far for me was that the Jets, who have a really good team, they are third in defensive DVOA, they are fourth in special teams DVOA. Robert Sala has kept that team playing really hard despite the fact that they're eliminated from playoff contention, despite the fact that it's been a really dramatic up and down season. Zach Wilson getting benched, Zach Wilson not wanting to come back, Zach Wilson coming back and, and getting shut out by the Dolphins. Like, it just hasn't been good. And they have kept playing really, really hard. And when Rodgers went down, uh, it just seemed obvious that they needed to do something at the quarterback position. And the fact that they didn't, I think, is a huge missed opportunity. And I don't think that happens in a situation where the quarterback who gets hurt is less empowered. Mm-hmm. Because whether it was just, like, paralysis because they they hung so much hope on Rodgers and when he went down, it was like, ah, oh, well, we're screwed. Or if it was, which I think is a very real possibility given what happened in Green Bay to make him available to them in the first place, that they were worried about upsetting him if they brought in another quarterback... Or if it was that they really bought what he was selling about being able to come back before the end of the season, which was always pretty ridiculous, I I don't know. Like, any version of that, to me, says they took it a little too far. That Mm -hmm. they couldn't thread the needle of, okay, yes, Aaron Rodgers merits a lot of power and influence within this organization but he is still one of 53 players on this team. Doesn't seem like they've had that perspective whatsoever. And I think it really bit them.
1: And I think you opened the, the article up perfectly. I mean, you had September 15th, 2023, you know, Aaron Rodgers said, give me the timetables, give me your doubts, give me your prognostications and then watch what I do. Um, December 19th, 2023, this is coming off a 30-0 loss there. You know what I mean? The, the Jets are completely, um, just (laughs) destroyed by the Dolphins. And he said, quote, being medically cleared as 100% healed is not realistic at 14 weeks. So, um, he was given. And he's
3: right. And he's right. right.
1: So like so, this, why this even is, give the why even give the false hope that that was really the argument the entire time, because right?
3: Because he can't like he. I think it's. I mean, I don't know if it's if it's attention or look. It seems like he worked really hard on his rehab, and if maybe got that for motivated practice, him in some got way, got put on the
1: roster so that there were those were two even encouraging now, things. Like
3: some guy got so he, yeah he he got elevated to the roster even though he's not fully healthy and and would not be able to play. Uh, So that he can keep practicing with the team and look, reps with Aaron Rodgers, even if he's not 100% for next year, those are valuable. So I I get it. It's not lost on me that like some guy had to get cut five days before Christmas so that Aaron Rodgers can like
4: kind
3: of. Kind of continue playing this out.
1: Nora, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Hope you have a happy holidays with the family. And uh, coming up next, we got Howard back to talk NBA. We'll be right back.
3: Thanks, Tate.
0: This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a
1: butter blade? Boulder dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor,
3: for each one is unique like a snowflake. <laughs> Thomas's, huzzah! A toast to breakfast.
1: As promised before the break, joining us now, we need to talk NBA, so we have to have our expert on. He is from the Ringer. You know him very well. Howard Beck. Howard, great to have you on the show, man. Take, great to see you, man. Happy holidays. Happy holidays and uh, we got to talk NBA because it is the holidays and that's the time when the NBA kind of starts to take center stage um, when we talk about sports in, uh, in North America at least. And we got to talk about a guy who just got back, John Moran, a heroic return after a rough start to the season for the Memphis Grizzlies. Is there any world in which John Moran can turn this season around and kind of change the tenor of this Memphis Grizzlies season? Are we talking playoffs at this point, Howard? I don't want
4: to be a, a Grinch during the holidays here. <laughs> And I certainly don't want to put any damper on the positivity in Memphis after seeing Ja's incredible return the other night. Um, But yeah, I mean, when we start talking about looking ahead to the playoffs and the road the Grizzlies have to travel to get there, it is rough, man. And I think everybody man. understood Ja being out for 25 games was going to put the Grizzlies in a bit of a hole. I don't think anybody thought it was going to be this deep of a hole. And it's pretty deep. Like, they are six and a half games out of 10th place, the last playing spot. As you and I record this, and they are eight and a half out of six, the last guaranteed playoff spot. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's that's a that's a pretty tough hole to dig out of. On top of that, okay, it's great that Jaw is back. Jaw is their engine, Jaw is the, the the life of that team, right? They are only ever gonna go as far as he can take them, but that that team has largely been kind of an ensemble around him. They're not filled with superstars, right? A couple of those really key guys are gone. Steven Adams is gone for the season due to injury. Brendan Clark is out for the foreseeable future, may not play this season. They don't have Tyus Jones anymore because they swapped him out for Marcus Smart in the offseason. They don't have Dylan Brooks anymore, for better or worse. uh, He's having a, a phenomenal season in Houston. So it's just not the same team. And we, we've we seen that in their struggles without Jaw, And I think we're going to see that in struggles with him too, to be honest. And then on top of it all, last point here, the Western Conference is just a lot Lot better than it was last season when the right. Grizzlies had that, that rocket up the standings into, uh, you know, top three in the West, top two in the West. Um, the West is just better. You know, we've seen you know, the Timberwolves are having an incredible season. The Thunder have a, having a breakthrough season. The Clippers are as hot as any team in the league right now. The Mavericks are better. The Pelicans are better. The Lakers <laughs> are better. That's a lot of teams to try to contend with. And the Suns have been struggling too, but like, you know, we know that they're going to be better than what they've shown so far. So I I just, mathematically, of course, it's not impossible for the Grizzlies to get there. But they're probably, if they're a playoff team, it's probably through the play in. And that's a dicey road.
1: Yeah, they're plus 410 right now to make the playoffs, which honestly is not great odds considering the climb that they have in front of them, as you pointed out. So uh, a lot to celebrate in Jaws return, but still a lot of work to do there in Memphis. Let's talk about the hottest team in the NBA. You talked about the Clippers. They are right now on a nine game winning streak as of uh, Thursday right now, as we're taping this. Um, what are your thoughts on this Clippers team? They were, they were much maligned in the start. Russell Westbrook sacrifices himself, goes to the bench, and now they look like a team that could actually be a contender at the end of the year.
4: Yeah, I mean, look, multiple factors going on here, but let's deal with the obvious ones. The second they made the trade for Harden, a couple people across the league were telling me, like, just give this a little bit of time. Before 10 games are up, Russ is going to be off the bench. There's no way they can start both of those guys, Russ and Harden, in addition to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They need to spread out the talent and the ball handling and all that. Plus, the spacing is so much better. When it's just Zubac out there, not Zubac and Russ, two non-shooters. So yep. start with the fact that Russ did go to the bench. Credit to him for doing so. But really, most of the credit here: two things. Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy. We've always known this was a great team waiting to happen. If they could ever stay healthy, they're healthy or largely have been. They've they've missed very little time. And then James Harden. Much credit to Harden, who uh, you know I think contrary to his own characterization, he's the one who said <laughs> at his opening press conference, "I'm a system." Guess what the system is right now? James Harden is on pace for his lowest usage rate and field goal attempts per game since like his second year in the NBA. So he is doing, again, to his credit, I don't mean to knock him, I think it's to his credit that he's doing this. He's not trying to overdo it and be the system. He's being a great setup guy, being a great playmaker, being a great teammate, period. Mm -hmm. And that should be easy to do when you've got guys like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard to set up. Those guys are incredibly talented. So, um I think that Harden has, and I think he was kind of trying to balance it out early on too. I think you know the early struggles with him. Some of that is how assertive should I be? When do, when I, when when should I be scorer versus playmaker? And I think he's found the right balance. They have found the right balance. Zubac has actually uh, been better recently as well. Their defense has been great. It's a lot of things, but I think you do start with the fact that James Harden has reeled it back. And in a very productive way for his team.
1: And we've seen him do that a couple of times. He did it for about 20 games with the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yes. During their big three era. He did it with the 76ers last year until about, you know, the all-star weekend, you know, timeline of last year. And then it seemed like he maybe got a little bit more about me after that. But um, James Harden, when he plays like this, they're a very scary team. And like I said, uh, nine straight wins. So the Clippers are a team to watch out for. Another thing to watch out for is the trade deadline. Uh, we are getting close. Teams are leaking uh, interest in certain players. One of the hot topics is Zach Levine. And where does Zach Levine fit. We've heard uh, teams like the Kings could have interest pairing him with the Aaron Fox. The Lakers have expressed interest. Um, Where do we see Zach Levine going and kind of where does he fit, especially now seeing that the Bulls are playing so well without him?
4: It's really tough and it's complicated by the fact that, one, as you mentioned, the Bulls are playing really well without him, which I do think makes you wonder. I mean, there's always been those there's always been that kind of curiosity about him anyway, right? Is he just mm-hmm. a, a numbers guy? Does he, does he contribute to winning? When you're winning this well without one of your best talents, it's it's hard to avoid that question. On top of that, he is out. He's injured. So I, I you know, teams are going to be a little more uh, cautious about trading for him right now when he's missing multiple weeks. And then on top of that, yeah, he's his his salary is like you know forty plus million a year. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. lot to take on. It's not an easy trade to make, uh, partially because you have to decide as the team trading for him, what am I willing to give up for a guy who's got that big of a contract, and you know is not this is not a home run move for anybody. You're, no one's one Zach Levine away from winning the championship, <laughs> right? Um, and and so you you have to to figure that part out. And then even if you have decided this is the guy. This is our missing piece. Matching salaries when a guy's making forty million plus is really hard. So I, I'm I would not bet on a Zach Levine trade happening. I, I I think the Bulls are clearly in a position where they need to make some moves. Where they need to like I, I know it's a weird thing to say right now when they finally have kind of caught some momentum. But I think there's a ceiling on this Bulls team, and has been ever since they constructed the Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Butch, uh lineup, and so. I, I think they probably will pivot, but maybe it's not Levine who goes out. Maybe it's DeRozan. Maybe it's Caruso. Maybe it's somebody else. I do think the Bulls need to make some moves. I just am not sure that there's really that vibrant of a market for Zach Levine.
1: So if Zach Levine is not on the move, is there another big name or a disgruntled star or someone that could be in the mix? I mean, we've heard names like Donovan Mitchell, Larry Markkinen. Uh, is there someone else that we should, you know, kind of circle and say, maybe there's a world in which he moves to a different team to help a contender?
4: I was just in Orlando for a couple of days at the G League Winter Showcase, and that's kind of almost the equivalent of, of baseball's winter meetings now because all 30 teams are there. All their front offices are there. You know, all, all the GMs and assistant GMs and pro personnel, right. like everybody's just, you know, gossiping and chatting the whole time. And I do think, you know, look, obviously they can text, they can call, they can Zoom, they can whatever. But there is something about being in the same building that I think sparks a lot more conversation. And even some of the executives mentioned that, like, yeah, this is productive for us for that reason. And the two teams that kept coming up are Toronto and Atlanta. And there's no secret about this, right? Toronto has decisions to make about Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi because of their contract status Um and because the Raptors, frankly, just have kind of, you know, hit a plateau the last couple seasons. And the Hawks, you know, they really hope that Quinn Snyder, as, as you know, bringing him in as coach late last season, that starting the season fresh with him, that would finally get a, a, a different result out of this roster. But they're they're coming to the conclusion that, you know what, maybe this isn't the right mix. A lot of talent, bad mix. Mm-hmm. And so I'd be shocked beyond belief if one or both those teams don't make a move. Not everybody that you're hearing the names of is going to end up out there. Um, But, you know, Siakam, I could definitely see getting moved. Off the Hawks, it's a little bit harder to figure out which way they're going to go there and, and who would go. Uh, but those teams are both due for a shakeup, and I think we'll see it.
1: And this is that would be the second time Atlanta's kind of done a Trey Young tear down and try to rebuild around Trey Young, so that'll be fascinating too if they keep Trey Young as priority number one when they make a move like that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, you mentioned other teams uh, that could make a move. The Warriors. You wrote a great piece about the Warriors, talking about the end of the dynasty and it not being Draymond Green's fault. If it's not Draymond Green's fault that the Warriors dynasty is coming to an end, do we? Uh, I know we like to blame everybody in the in the world of basketball right now, but is there anyone that can you know kind of take the finger point at this point, or is it just? kind of the reality of time as it passes by?
4: Well, the first thing I'll say is um, I, I'm not ready to bury them yet. We we've, okay, we have good. prematurely buried this team before, right? We <laughs> so did many tw- times.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, especially <laughs> in
4: 2019, you know, when they lose in the finals to the Raptors and, you know, Durant blows out his Achilles, Clay Thompson blows out his knee. It just, it just looked the whole, like the whole thing was coming apart and they spent a couple of years in the wilderness before surprising everyone and winning the championship again in 2022. Steph is still playing like an MVP. Yep. Steph is incredible. And it, as long as he's at that level, you know, and, and Clay has started to, to find his footing again. But even if you think that they've gotten too old, the fact that, that Steph is playing at this level means that there is some theoretical path to do, to, to contending again, because contending starts with having a special transcendent kind of talent and they've still got that guy. So I'm not ruling out that the dynasty could be extended. If it's over, who are we blaming? It's not Draymond. As I wrote this week on <laughs> right. the ringer, uh, you know, D- Draymond's not helping, like not, not being around, being suspended twice in a season and, and once, you know, on uh, an indefinite timeline for weeks, not helping clearly. But if this thing is over, it's not going to be because Draymond uh, you know is too volatile he is as essential to the the championships they've won as anyone mm-hmm. and if he's gone if they were to trade him I, I, that's the point where i would start to think it's really over because as essential as steph is on offense draymond is on defense and also on offense and also his two-man game with steph is is kind of uh the the heart of that team in a lot of ways uh who are we blaming i'll blame father time I'll blame <laughs> right. physics. I'll blame yes. physiology. I'll blame the salary cap. I'll blame the luxury tax. And yeah, they've made a couple of gaffes in the draft or the, some missed opportunities. Every team has those. And would they be in a different place right now if they drafted LaMelo Ball instead of James Weissman or Franz Wagner when they had the like yeah, yeah, these are fair points, but that if the dynasty's over, I don't think it's because of any one decision. And more than anything, it's that they have already matched or exceeded as I wrote the 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 basic length of a dynasty in the modern era. They're they're already, you know, they won uh you know four championships in an eight year span. Eight, nine years is about the outer limit for a dynasty.
1: Yeah, they've gotten compared to the Spurs a lot. And I think, you know, that's something that's a very, you know, credit to Stephen Curry kind of having that Tim Duncan way about him where he's on the team and he impacts at a high level. And when we come back after the break, we're gonna talk about the basketball that is going to be played on Christmas Day. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Through the Ringer here with Howard Beck, and we're talking NBA. And when you think of the NBA and you think of the holidays, you think about Christmas Day, because that is when basketball takes center stage. And I want to talk about some of these matchups, Howard. First and foremost, I want to look at this Bucs-Knicks game. Um, this is kind of brewing into a little bit of an Eastern Conference rivalry. I don't want to speak too much here, but what do we expect to see in this game? And obviously, you know, for the general fantasy, Giannis and Dame on a big stage.
4: Yeah, um and, and the fun thing about the idea of the big being, ri- being uh, rivals is that the Knicks' success in the uh pool play of the in-season tournament and then getting to the, to the uh to the quarterfinals meant that these teams are now playing each other five times instead of four this season. <laughs> right. So, uh maybe some bad blood will be uh, brewing as a result, uh which is always fun. The 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 Bucks have started to round into shape, right? They're about where we would normally expect them to be record wise on the court. It doesn't always look as smooth as you'd like it to, but Giannis and Dame, I feel like are starting to figure it out, starting to get a rhythm that partnership I think is, is evolving, but yeah, these things aren't linear and the bucks bigger concern. I think more than, I mean, obviously if they're going to win a championship, Dame and Giannis need to, to have, I you know, an ideal, uh you know, one, two punch or, or just partnership there. But I think, Like, that's almost the easy part. The hard part, keeping Chris Middleton healthy, and on the court and playing the kind of minutes that they need from him because he's incredibly critical to them as a scorer, as 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 another outlet, as a playmaker.
1: Bucks have uh, some encouraging signs uh, if you're believing in Milwaukee at the end of the year. The next game I want to look at uh, Warriors Nuggets. This is going to be, you know, obviously the the class of the Western Conference right now. The defending champs of Denver Nuggets taking on the dynastic Warriors uh, Nuggets minus four and a half in this game. Is this a chance for Steph Curry to kind of send a statement on Christmas Day and this Warriors team in general?
4: It's funny because ordinarily, I think a team that's won four championships, as the Warriors have, they don't need to prove anything to anybody. So that's not, you know, th- there's there's no real urgency for them to like send a message on a you know uh, a national <laughs> right. game on Christmas. But but how many times to back to our last conversation in the first segment? How many times have we been burying this team in recent years and also just this season? Right, Draymond's indefinite suspension. A lot of people just said, that's it. It's, it's done. It's over. And, and Steph keeps having these incredible performances as he does. And you go, Oh, you know what? There's still a little magic here. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly in the, in the embodiment of Steph, but like they're the warriors still have something. So would it be nice for them to remind all of us once again, you know, on a nationally televised game on Christmas when everybody's sitting at home in front of their TVs, opening gifts and, uh, watching Steph do Steph things. I, like, I could see it. I could see it for sure. And I think similarly, the Nuggets, they're the defending champs, right? So, again, in the moment, they should have nothing to prove. But these, these are the teams that most recently in the West have that, that trophy. And I think that, that heightens it a little bit, right? Maybe they need to prove something against each other.
1: Yeah, I like it. And, and obviously the Warriors 2022, they knock out the Nuggets in the playoffs. So, I mean, there there is some, some blood there to be boiled over and uh, we'll see how that goes. Speaking of uh, iconic rivalries in the NBA, we got the Celtics taking on the Lakers. Celtics minus one and a half in this game. Um, this has been a tried and true game uh, on the NBA calendar for quite some time. What do we expect to see in this iteration of this Lakers team and this Celtics team?
4: Yeah, I mean, the Celtics have been among the favorites if not the favorites to come out of the wet uh, come out of the east um a lot of talk once they made the Drew Holiday trade that this team's got the best starting lineup in the league this team's got the best uh top 6 in the league in in the yeah, rotation yeah with Derek White yeah and I, and I think there's a lot to that um they're a little bit better defensively than the Lakers they're a much better three-point shooting team than the Lakers and I also think just scoring wise the Celtics can go in a lot more directions than the Lakers can. The Lakers, I think, are very, very LeBron and Anthony Davis dependent. And the Celtics, I think, have a little kind of more diverse offense in the in the directions they can go in a given game. Um, But listen, like, if we're going to spin this ahead and say, hey, maybe we're going to get the umpteenth installment of Lakers-Celtics next June, I would still kind of lean Lakers, if for no other reason than we're still seeing Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have st- – Struggles in, in clutch time. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't know if I trust them yet. And if you're asking me, I mean, listen, LeBron against almost anybody. I'm usually going to put my money on LeBron in the last couple minutes of a close game and especially playoff games than anyone else.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those games where we talked about Steph Curry understanding the stage. LeBron always understands the stage, and I feel like I having doubt. the Celtics come there, he's going to be ready for that one. Uh, we got Sixers Heat. This is also a fun Eastern Conference showdown. We got Pat Riley taking on Joel Embiid and uh, this Sixers team. How do we feel about this game? Do we think the Heat can handle business and let people know that they're still hanging around and still a contender in the East?
4: Well, it's it's interesting. You know, the Heat um, once again. You know, not really. The regular season is not indicating or hinting at the possibility <laughs> of a deep run, but we saw a season ago that you know the, the Heat could just kind of lay in the weeds. I don't think that that's a formula you can replicate or should try to replicate or count on replicating. So, and also I think, look, I think the Celtics, Bucks, Sixers. Might all be much better than they were last season. Like, the, like mm-hmm. I know that's weird to say about the Sixers who traded Harden for spare parts at this point, but the Sixers have the ability to make a move. They're really good anyway. I don't think anybody should want to take on Joel Embiid in a best of seven series, period. Right. And the Bucks and Celtics are really good. So you don't want to be at the bottom of, of the playoff bracket and have to fight your way through as a seventh or eighth seed or through the play in again. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting. And, and yeah, look, this, If the Heat stay in where they are, Sixers' Heat could be a first-round matchup, which would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, a whole lot of fun, and Maxie will be a lot of fun to watch on Christmas. Uh, He plays with that joy that kind of matches the holidays, so that'll be good. Last game, Howard, uh, we got the Mavs taking on the Suns. Suns minus four in this game. Uh, The Luka-Kyrie-Exum backcourt has been a a conversation point for a lot of people. What do we see in this game, and what are we excited to see between these two teams?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing is this: Kyrie's missed a bunch of games, and it's allowed Dante Exum to revive his NBA career. He was—he awesome. played the last two seasons in Europe. He was in Spain. He was in Serbia, and and Dante Exum, who you know had been what a top five pick his his year, nice revival to his career. Um, Suddenly, he's a great three point shooter, shooting over forty two percent from three. <laughs> yep. Kyrie and Luca look better now than they did at the tail end of last season, which again should be expected. Like it takes time. Especially during, you know, when you get a guy in a midseason trade. So I think their chemistry's been pretty good. All that said, Kyrie's been out a lot and Kyrie tends to miss a lot of games due to injury. And so it's something to keep an eye on because that is, you know, a challenge for them throughout the season potentially. Also, the games with Kyrie, they're 10 and 7, which mm-hmm. is like good, but not dominant. So I think the Mavericks, they got out to a hot start. They've come back to earth a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to see just how good. They will actually be. And of course, everyone's curious to see if the Suns can ever get healthy, get Bradley Beal back on the court and have their big three play any stretch of games at all. But you know what, Tate, this this was the risk. They knew this was the risk. You got three stars, two of whom you've acquired, two older vets uh, in in Durant and Beal, who you knew had an injury history when you got them. So uh, they they can't exactly say, woe is me because they knew what they were getting.
1: Do you think Kevin Durant uh, has a little bit of deja vu just kind of dealing with this? I mean, th- this feels like a, a Kyrie Harden redux a little bit with the he and Booker and, and Beal not being able to get on the court with each other. I mean, it, it just feels like the same thing all over again. Or maybe I'm reading too much into it.
4: No, I mean, there's a little bit of that. There's a little bit of deja vu where, you know, it's another big three where Durant's looking around going, "Where, where's where's two and three? <laughs> where's the other three? two? Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do these guys go? I mean, different <laughs> circumstances, but still, you know, injury issues. But, uh, it, it's you know again. It's early. They've turned over nearly the entire roster around Devin Booker, and you know mm-hmm. these guys you know had had really never played together, and you know I, I, is it? I don't know if it's if or when on Beale being healthy. Either mm. way, it's 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 a troublesome thing for them. And on the Durant part of it, look, Durant is the one who forced the trade there, which cost the Suns a boatload, and it it, it means that they don't just don't have a ton of depth, and they don't have a lot of mechanisms to acquire more players and the mechanisms they did still have the assets they did still have they sent out to get Beal so this is pretty pretty much who the Suns are going to be they just need to get healthy
1: yeah they need to get healthy and get healthy quickly uh Howard where can we find all your amazing work here at the Ringer and then we'll let you go enjoy the enjoy your
4: holidays with the family everything's at uh the ringer.com of course everybody can hear me every Monday on the real ones podcast with Logan Murdoch and Raja Bell And of course, you can find me on the site that I still call Twitter at (laughs) Howard.
1: There you have it. Uh, Howard, thanks so much for coming on the show. We appreciate you joining the show. Hope everybody out there has a happy holidays. We are off next week here at the through the ringer, and we will see you when we're back on the other side in 2024. Hope everybody has a happy holidays and a happy new year. We'll see you then.